0: In case of a nuclear attack, the protection of records is essential. If this country is
1: to carry on its economy...
0: Welcome to Western Fringe, a podcast about Colorado's weird history. I'm your host, Heidi Beadle, and today we're kind of throwing an audible. I was going to finish up our series on Colorado evangelical churches with New Life Church today. Unfortunately, um, I have been working on this really big story for my job at the Colorado Times Recorder that has kind of sort of taken over my whole life uh, for the last week and a half. So um, instead of talking about New Life Church, today we're going to talk about demons. And I have a conversation that I had with uh, Jason Cordova of the Crypto Science Society, who I've done some research with we checked out a haunted hotel in victor for a story that i wrote for the colorado springs independent Um, and i was recently doing a story about um this colorado house candidate in colorado springs uh scott bottoms who made some interesting comments about demons during a uh political like candidate forum um and you know if you want to talk about weird stuff as a politician or a public figure, like I am all for it. Like let's talk about some weird stuff and you know, let's bring some experts in as well. And this is kind of relevant, right? Um, one of the hallmarks of these kind of like Pentecostal and evangelical sort of organizations is a very real belief in literal demons. Um, and, you know, the the New Life Church uh, episode is going to be really interesting because not only do we talk about kind of like that, that Pentecostal aspect of things, um, but there is mention of like the... Um the OTO, which is like Aleister Crowley's organization, and you know, Crowley claimed to have summoned demons. Uh, you know, especially he summoned one demon named Lamb, uh, that looks basically like a gray alien. Um, you know, a lot of UFO people kind of speculate, you know, John Keel and Jacques Fillet um sort of suggest maybe this like alternative hypothesis to explain UFOs. So maybe it's not um, you know, aliens from from another dimension maybe it is uh, or aliens from another planet you know maybe these are entities from another dimension um there's a lot of ufo accounts that also kind of verge on the spiritual um so it's just talking about demons is kind of an interesting thing to look into so in light of a prepared episode about new life church i give you this interview about demons thank you for your patience and understanding and make sure you check out Colorado Times Recorder next week. Uh this story that I'm working on, this series of stories, um, does kind of tie into this conversation around mind control and you know kind of faith institutions and coercive organizations in a sense. Um there's even some weird ties to things like the esalen Institute and uh CIA's MK Ultra program. So it'll probably end up as an episode of Western Fringe at some point. So without further to-do. Uh, Welcome to bonus episode intro to demonology. can you kind of give me a quick rundown of your credentials or um, experience or relationship with demons?
1: Okay, sure. Well, I guess uh, the first credential is I'm I'm currently uh, a master's student in folklore at the University of Tartu in Estonia, Uh, and I have spent, well, formally 16 years as a paranormal investigator and president of the Crypto Science Society, an organization dedicated to studying strange and unusual phenomena, And uh, throughout that time, we've actually encountered a number of uh, cases where people have come to us uh, believing that they are under some sort of psychic attack or that they have some sort of energetic parasite attached to them or uh, less objectively straight up uh, demonic possession or under some kind of demonic attack.
0: Wow. Um, so can you talk a little bit about um, like demons just broadly? I mean, I'm looking at demons right now from a very Christian kind of Pentecostal perspective, but as a phenomenon, are they, you know, pan-cultural? Um, globally, people report this or how does that work?
1: Sure. Um, well, of course, demon, as uh, most Western culturally minded people would know them, it, are derived primarily from a Christian point of view. Uh, the idea of a fallen angel uh, that is up to no good and interfering with our daily lives here on earth. Um, Cross culturally, uh, different. Different cultures do look at mischievous spirits. Um, there are there are stories of uh, entities and spirits that can cause trouble. Um, most notably, uh, Fae in sort of Celtic lore, um, the Jin in Islamic uh, sorts of. Um, uh, uh, for for, for um, Arabic and Islamic type folks, um, and even in um, uh, yeah, so basically, broadly speaking, many cultures throughout the world do uh, recognize mischievous or problematic entities. Um, of course, it's the cultural context with how w- which we. Uh, relate to them and so um
0: what is like the mechanism by which demons do stuff i mean you know is it possession are they like kind of spirits that can do stuff on their own or do they have to do it through like an individual like how do demons work basically
1: uh okay so again from a from the christian perspective uh in the modern era, uh, a demons can't um, they can interfere with the material world, uh, but they do tend to need a vehicle to do that, and therefore, um, possessing an item or a person uh, tends to be the most effective way. Uh, with which they appear to be able to do that.
0: Gotcha. Um, so, what I'm hearing, you know, I was at a town hall event recently, and, um, you know, a, one of the politicians mentioned that um, public school curriculum is demonic. And I kind of pressed him on it, and he said, um, you know, the he singled out like critical race theory and like the 1619 project as specifically being kind of demonically influenced. So, I mean, should I, should I take that to understand that like Nicole, Hannah Jones, who wrote the 1619 project, you know, for the New York times, was was she possessed by the demon? Is that what this guy's getting at? I mean, how, how would, and, and would demons like are demons out there possessing people to write historical accounts of the founding of the country? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's that's a good question. I guess um, <laughs> that's that's a tough one to answer again because um, so much of it is hinged upon that particular denomination's relationship to uh, demonic activity, right? Uh, depending, say, the evangelicals. Uh, Protestant Catholics all kind of have a, a spectrum with how they relate to um, demonic and, influence,
0: and I would say this is definitely coming from kind of a evangelical perspective,
1: right, right. And they kind of have their own brand. So uh, uh, honestly, I'm not as uh, well versed on on how they're how they're relating to it now. However, I can say that. Um, through that lens, there there appears to be a means of influence, right? There there are levels of influence, so a person doesn't necessarily have to be possessed in order to be under that influence, right? And this is kind of broadly speaking, cross Christianity, um, there at least appears to be a certain degree of agreement. In in how how a demon might be able to influence uh, a person and and uh, policy and that sort of thing.
0: Gotcha. Um, so they're also recently in the news. So I'm kind of compiling a bunch of different uh, demon accounts for the story. Uh, but recently today, like Ted Haggard. Um, if you remember new life church in Colorado Springs and Ted Haggard was the pastor who had the like sex and meth scandal, um, with men, um, like 20 ish years ago, um, Mm. early two thousands at new life church. Um, he got a new church and a new congregation and there are new allegations that are surfacing of his inappropriate activity. He blamed those rumors on demonic inspiration. Um, you know so so again i mean is that a, the, that possible
1: the demons just picking on ted haggard um to be perfectly honest i think uh, that sounds like a convenient um a convenient excuse really um uh, i think unfortunately uh those who uh claim to have a little bit more of uh these sorts of things um have a history of manipulating it to their uh, to serve their means. Um, a perfect example of that uh, running away. Uh, you know, a, a, a theocracy uh, manipulating a the population into believing that they were under uh, full scale attack by the influence of the devil in a very physical, real way here on earth was in Salem, Massachusetts, you know, only in 1690s. And it's clear that they uh, recognized how dangerous that was and uh, walked it back and adjusted the narrative to make it a little more etheric. uh, And so that they could um, manipulate it on a different level, um, have a little more control over it even. Um, And to be perfectly honest i think uh, this uh, that that sounds like a, a manipulation of of the lore in order to serve a political means
0: Gotcha. Um, So, I mean, how can people, like, in these instances where maybe someone is using accusations of demons for political purposes, I mean, is there any way to, like, test these things? Are there objective measures of whether it's a demon at work or just, you know, academic scholarship?
1: Hmm. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Um, So uh, Protestants have uh, and obviously that includes evangelicals um have an approach to it with uh, kind of a council uh, of of review to um figure out really what's at the bottom of it um just like with anything politically they kind of have they have the authority to decide um whether or not it is uh, demonic or otherwise um Catholic Church, uh, they have a very select, very specific um, group of priests, right? Not just anybody can be an exorcist; they need to be trained to do so. Um, on the Protestant side, um, uh, individual people, uh, uh, parishioners, can go to classes, and pay pay the church um, hundreds of dollars to. Uh, go through a training course to be, um, to be an exorcist and to be able to identify, um, demonic influence. Um, but again, the, the, the folks holding the keys to that information, um, are, are those, uh, the same ones that are being accused.
0: Gotcha. Um, so I guess, um, you know, in your experience, have you, um, you know, the prosaic explanation for, you know, demonic possession is often mental illness, or simply that people are hoaxing it, or using accusations for political purposes. But um, in your experience, have you encountered um, any cases, or, or, or seen anything with your own eyes that, like, made you think like there's there is something to this, and this is a real phenomenon?
1: And would you be willing to share that? All right. Um... So, yes, I um, on on kind of the lower level, um, oftentimes uh, the organization uh, has been contacted with um, with folks looking for help. Uh, You know, they've 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 already gone to their church. They've gone to their clergy. They've gone to multiple different churches and different denominations and not really gotten the help they needed. Um, they're, they're, uh, they were told that mm, that the the problem was that they were just not right with god they needed to reaffirm their relationship with god and then that would that would solve the problem or, or um that they just didn't they weren't praying right right it, it came down to a matter of they're doing something wrong, uh, and that that's what's causing the problem. Um, other cases where a person's not really even that particularly religious, um, and they aren't really keen on going to the church, um, so they came to us looking for a means for help, and um, Some of these cases, just like with anything, anybody coming to us saying they have a poltergeist or their house is haunted, you know, uh, probably ninety percent of the time, it's a very easily explainable situation. Mm -hmm. Just, uh, however, uh, I'm I'm and I always emphasize, and part of the screening process is. Uh, you know, identifying whether or not there's a mental health situation, um, and advocating for therapy, finding out if they are in therapy, these kinds of things. And also kind of screening legality. Is this just a cover for an abuse situation, right? Um, do these people need, you know, genuine psychiatric help or legal help? That's way beyond anything we can deal with. Um, but then there are, you know, the 10 to 5% of cases that come along that that do appear to reflect something genuinely uh, anomalous, uh, harder to explain by normal means. And those kinds of things usually involve um, photos uh, or video of um, shadowy figures, um, strange-looking orbs. Um, very sinister kind of figures standing in a doorway, uh, and scratches or bruises appearing on an individual um, that don't be don't appear to be caused by any um, any earthly uh, source, right? They they just suddenly appear, uh, you know. Suddenly, this person's leg has a scratch on it that uh, just happened to them while they're sitting at the table. Um, they feel like they're getting hit or or even feel like they suddenly they have bruises appear out of nowhere. Um, so these are the things that really throw up those flags like well maybe there is something um, something deeper or something more going on. Um, so I guess the simple answer to the question is yes. I have seen things that do point to maybe being less than a mundane explanation.
0: Gotcha. Um, can you talk a little bit about the orbs? Like, I'm very curious about the orbs because I show up in like UFO stuff. Um, they've, you know, we were at the the Black Monarch Hotel and he talked about the orb sighting in connection right. with ghosts. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm. Fascinated by the orbs. So can you, can you tell me right. a little bit about their relationship to kind of demonic uh, situations?
1: Sure. Well, um, so again, like an orb uh, generally speaking is a, an anomalous uh, artifact that appears in a photo or video um, Many most of them are kind of infrared reflections off of pollen or dust um, And it just creates kind of like a halo it looks kind of eerie and uh, weird and spooky, but there are some that definitely do a little bit more than than just uh, you know a, a reflection. Um, this this common common looking style. Um, there's some situations where there's elaborate shapes. Um, they they interact with the the video. Um, they do some some pretty pretty unique and weird things Um, they can form different kinds of shapes and 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 forms Um, and so and their relationship generally speaking yeah they tend to be associated with all manner of uh, you know paranormal so to speak activity so um, kind of thinking objectively if not not quite ready to jump on say that maybe this is a mischievous spirit um i'm not one to necessarily give power to this entity and uh, um feed its ego so to speak by uh, immediately jumping on the bandwagon of it being a demon like
0: gotcha um so what can people do when they, like, what's the protection for demons or if you have a demonic possession or, you know, your kid comes home with something that looks like critical race theory, uh, what what should people do um, to get, like, what's the cure for demons and and how does that mechanism work and, and is it effective? Mm-hmm. You know, everybody talks about exorcism, but there's also, right. you know, other cultures have other rituals, so I'm just kind of curious, exactly. like, how do you deal right. with demons? Yeah.
1: So... Belief is a very powerful thing, um, and I feel that it, when it comes down to it, it really is a matter of belief. Um, one of the cases that I worked with, um, she, she started off the interview by explaining that she didn't believe that uh, the clergy was necessary to be an intercession between her and and God. And in keeping with that belief, she went to numerous clergy members who were not able to help her with this demon that she believed was attacking her. Um, And ultimately, what helped her the most was... Um, reverting to her, her own belief system to uh, take power away from this entity. So whether or not we're dealing with a real uh, malicious spirit doesn't seem to matter as much as what the person believes it is and how that person believes they can be helped. Um I, uh, my personal, um, traditions, I, I come from a, uh, a Chicano family, my, uh, great grandma born in the San Luis Valley. Um, she, uh, she worked with a curandera, which is a traditional, um, uh, folk healer, um. Of Latin American traditions, and um, so I have I have learned ways of cleansing spirits, and um, I have worked with folks of of a similar belief system uh, in order to address their concerns with um, problematic entities that way, um, and those seem to be the most successful. So, um, in order to answer the most in the simplest way, um, it's whatever whatever works with that individual's belief structure. So if there's a, a, Christian, uh, a Christian person that believes a silver cross is the only thing that can protect you from a demon, then that silver cross is the only thing that will protect that person from a demon. So it's a very personal thing. Now, if... Um, so... If... However, if their child, um, just religion, just as, and belief structure works best for that individual and doesn't, isn't always as effective with other people. So, um, it's important not to project one's beliefs onto someone else, particularly, uh, it comes to children
0: gotcha um so like are there preventative measures that people can take like i've heard a lot of people talk about demons and entities and possession in connection with things like transcendental meditation or um taking like psychedelics you know people talk about like dmt and the machine elves and the idea that maybe they're you know those consciousnesses that are in these other dimensions that you interact with when you take all these drugs um Could in turn kind of come and possess you like are there things that people do that put them at risk for demonic possession? Um, Mm. You know looking at systemic racism in the US in the case of this politician that I was talking to but
1: um, Mm. Mm. Yeah, Mm. that's an interesting yeah, that's an interesting question Um, Well So as far as protections are concerned, and this actually goes to, um, y- you know, it, it kind of raises, raises some other questions, too, uh, for me at least, in regards to appropriation and um, um, mis- misuse a uh, misrepresentation of, of sacred ceremonies in, in uh, Indigenous practices. Um and I think there's a crossover there. Um, there are some ceremonies that use uh, what what the Western world would regard as, um, you know, psychedelic and, and controlled substances. Um, and there are very strict protocols within these ceremonies um, in order to ensure that um, the medicine is paid respect. And, um, on the kind of other side of that, um, if one is kind of recklessly approaching these, uh, these sorts of substances, um, one could, especially if one is coming at it from a, a place of, um, Vulnerability. Um, It could be dangerous, right? Just from a purely scientific point of view, um, studies have demonstrated that um, people under the influence of psychedelics can be more susceptible to influence. Um, Therefore, it could be dangerous in a cult scenario. Um, And again, circling back to this danger of um, kind of theocratic influence and manipulating a belief system, um, I could see that being dangerous uh, to a person who is uh, maybe believing that if they're engaging with this, that they could be susceptible to a demonic possession. And that then opens their it allows them to be more susceptible to the negative side effects of that particular substance. Right. Um, so I'm not sure if that's the kind of answer that you're looking for. Um, but I think it's important to address these things when we're having this conversation. Um, of course the simple answer is, uh, I mean, I personally would say don't, um, you know, the, the easiest way to protect yourself would be not to engage in um, dangerous types of belief systems. But of course, that's easier said than done. Um, but um, if it is in line with your belief structure, um, I would say using the uh, protocols that are in line with that. From my point of view it's always a matter of respect for the substance or the spirits or whatever it may be right so it all comes down to respect
0: um can i ask so speaking of like dangerous belief systems you know a lot of people talk about the occult and you know their accounts of like aleister crowley and and um, you know various um occult orders like that have the intention of like summoning demons and You know, there's a lot Mm -hmm. of talk about like the babylon working that um was Mm -hmm. supposedly done in 1946 Um, you know, is it possible for people to like intentionally kind of summon a demon?
1: Yes Yes, it is Yeah, um, and I, I I can see that as also being being dangerous. I think um there's kind of a, um, I call it black magic mayhem. Um, there's, you know, there is a way to do um, magical practices, ceremonial magic, folk magic. You know, there's a way to do that ethically. And uh, there's a way to do it um, with, with complete um, disregard uh, to the will of others um there's a way to do that just like with any practice um it can be it's a double edged sword it can be wielded quite dangerously um i i think that uh, you know you you have organizations um like even you know the satanic temple and the satanic church who um actually uh, pronounce themselves as you know a sort of elevated atheism um and work within a kind of a cultish practice, but actually um, emphasize the uh, the the respect uh, the respect of other beings and the respect of other people. Um, when you come to some of the you know other other practices where one is intentionally uh, manifesting or calling upon a demon. Um, I've I've seen that get away from them as well. Um, It takes a tremendous amount of discipline um, in order to do things correctly. Um, And uh, just like with any practice, if it's done recklessly, it can have profound negative effects on the individual that's um, using it as well as those around them. Um, I had a situation where um, (laughs) uh, I was called upon to... Close a portal that someone had um, inadvertently opened um, because they they essentially they didn't know what they were doing. They watched a few YouTube videos and thought it would be cool, and then um, realized they they got a little out of their hands. And so uh, we were able to do um, we worked with them in order to put things back together. Uh, and uh, in a way that they ultimately uh, seemed happy with. Didn't hear. Uh, didn't hear it, uh, anything afterwards. But, um, just
0: worked out. That's fascinating. Um, anything else um, about demons or demonology or any of the things that we talked about that that I didn't ask you about um, that you think is important to mention in this conversation?
1: Hmm. Um, I would say, yeah, um, probably the the best thing is to, if, if anybody is, uh, the, the best bit of advice is don't be afraid to find an expert and, uh, to vet those experts. <laughs> don't try to do an exorcism yourself. If you, uh, <laughs> if you feel like there might be a problem, um, that situation where um, you can you can look for help and uh, don't don't just go with the first thing that comes up um, do, do do a little bit of research first and make sure that you're uh, um, comfortable with the direction that that, that may go' It'll take a lot of time to watch your
0: There you have it, folks. And you know, as a journalist slash researcher kind of person, you know it's tricky because you have to play like both the Molder and the Scully parts and everything. You know, obviously, I want to believe, and but you know more than that, I want to know the truth, right? Like what's really out there? What's going on with this unexplained phenomenon? Um, You know, I find some accounts of, you know, demons and things kind of ridiculous. Uh, Other accounts, uh, certainly, you know, they make you wonder, they make you think, uh, they leave you with more questions than you can find answers. And the idea that, uh, you know, some kind of supernatural phenomenon might be tied into the UFO phenomenon is certainly compelling. Um, On the other hand, it might just all be some crazy government psyop and we're all being played. Uh, So who really knows? Um, But, you know, it's interesting to think about, right? Personally, my position on demons uh, is agnostic, you know? Like, I... I don't know. I, I'm not sure, you know, I, I certainly am not, you know, a Christian or someone who, uh, you know, kind of believes in those sets of beliefs. But, you know, I, you know, I think there's some, some unexplained phenomenon out there and, you know, it might be, uh, dimensional entities. It might be, uh, you know, aliens. Um, it might be demons. I don't know. Thanks for listening. Uh, next time I will I promise in 2 weeks there will absolutely be a new Life Church episode. Uh, I'm again sorry for the delay. Uh, and I will catch you guys later. I had some bad brain. for listening if you've enjoyed this podcast please subscribe or tell a friend or whatever it is you do with podcasts um you can connect with us on twitter at at western fringe W-S-T-R-N, Fringe, or drop us a line at westernfringe@protonmail.com. At this episode was brought to you by Odds and Inns Emporium, a woman-owned toy and gift shop located at the Ivy Wild School in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Visit Emporium.com to see their wide selection of unique toys and gifts. Until next time.